Thank you for choosing our breakout session. Uh, by the end of this session, you'll go back with the information on incident handling and how to collaborate with AWS, both proactively at architecture level and reactively at incident level. With that being said, I am Suman Kodori, Senior Technical Account Manager from Enterprise Support, and this is Chris Ferris. So, yep, yeah, uh, my name is Chris Ferris. Uh, so I lead the uh, public cloud security initiatives for uh, Warner Media. So this is the agenda for us today, and uh, we definitely plan to take a few questions towards the end. Like any other talk uh, for threat hunting, our first initial point was going to be focusing on preparation and identification. So that's where we focus today on the majority of the time. Then we taper down to containment, eradication, and recovery. Lastly, talk about how enterprise support can provide value to uh, security teams and how I, as a TAM, partnered with the WarnerMedia security team. So I would like to briefly talk about who an AWS Technical Account Manager is, or often called as a TAM, before I hand it over to Chris. So when a customer signs up for enterprise support, they get a dedicated uh, technical account manager who is a single point of contact for support. And uh, he or she becomes the voice of the customer within AWS and provide the necessary advocacy. TAMs strive for operational excellence. And last but not the least, provide the critical support on important business needs, such as an application launch or an incident management. With that being said, thank you, Chris. Thank you. So as I said, I lead public cloud security for Warner Media. Um, if you know the history of our company for the last few years, uh, we used to be Time Warner, uh, and Time Warner was three companies, Turner, HBO, and Warner Brothers. Uh, AT&T acquired us. Uh, we all sort of became uh, one company. Um, so you know, our brands are everything from CNN to HBO, uh, New Line Cinema, Harry Potter, Crunchyroll, um, all of that. So. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Incident Handling 101. So if you've ever taken a uh, SANS Incident Handling class, uh, you're going to be familiar with these steps. You know, you want to prepare and be ready before an incident happens. Uh, you want to be able to quickly identify an incident when it occurs. Then you need to go into the containment phase of the incident, the eradication of the attacker in your environment, get to recovery, and then move on to lessons learned. Um, this talk is going to primarily cover those first two steps, preparation and identification. Um, this slide we added yesterday, uh, this is actually from Steve Schmidt, uh, Amazon's uh, CISO. And of the 10 things that he wanted you to do, have accurate account info, centralize your cloud trail logs, and take action on guard duty, those are the things we're going to talk about in this session. So preparation. Um, our preparation pretty much focused on a, a lot of these things. We have CloudTrail. Um, that's events to find explicit, explicit actions that have happened in our environment. Then we use guard duty. Guard duty is great for finding the behavioral stuff. It also is the only thing that gives me actual telemetry on our VPC DNS activity. We needed a complete and up-to-date inventory of our environment. Um, we need a good cloud vulnerability detection, cloud security posture monitoring and then enterprise support. So with centralized CloudTrail, um, we didn't have organizational CloudTrails when we went down this path, so we built everything with CloudFormation. Every single account when it is provisioned by our cloud engineering team comes with a CloudFormation template that pushes the 
events into our environment. We write these uh, events, one bucket per pair, um, and then we pull those into Splunk. Those buckets are protected with MFA delete, and our logging account has a physical token on it. Um, and as I said, we pull all of those events then into Splunk. Just to talk a little bit about our scale, right now we're about 800 different Amazon accounts. We'll probably be uh, a th over 1,000 in a few months. We have 12 organizational pairs. You saw all those brands on that previous slide. That's all from organizational changes, acquisitions, things like that. We get about 8.1 million CloudTrail events per hour. 37% of those are management events. That means the rest of that is read-only. 18% of those are assume roles. A lot of that's going to be instance uh, profiles or Lambda roles, container roles, but it's also all of our user activity comes in as assume role because we federate our identities. And 10% of them, interestingly enough, are decrypts. And I suspect that is mostly because we encrypt all our CloudTrail events going in and then we have to decrypt them coming out. So CloudTrail, um, so this is sort of a typical CloudTrail event. Obviously, it's, it's truncated to fit on the screen. Uh, but you know, the first one was, what is the actual event name? So in this case, we're creating an S3 bucket. Um, what Amazon service did that event come from? So that's event source. Where it came from, uh, 160, 192, 167, 357, 420, I joke that's the Adult Swim IP address range. The user identity ARN. So in this case, this is an assume role. It tells me what permissions that person had, and it gives me their, uh, their actual identity at the end of that slash. And in this case, the type of identity. And when we start looking at different kind of threat patterns, the type of identity matters. Also part of our preparation now, we centralized guard duty. Guard duty allows you to have member uh, accounts to a single master. That allows you to manage their threat lists and do other things. So all of that is centralized. All of that is actually automated at account creation. So we go in, we create the detectors, we create the detectors in all the regions because it is a regional service. Don't blind yourself by not having guard duty it everywhere on the globe. So we go in, we create the detectors, and then we come from the guard duty master account, we issue the invite, and then we assume roll back into the account to accept that invite. All of that processing can be automated, and there's some code there that shows you how it can be done. Once we've put all of that stuff into the master account, we then have a single um, <clears throat> CloudWatch event uh, bus in each account, or, or sorry, in each region, and a Lambda that grabs those guard duty events and sends them to Splunk via the HTTP event collector. Uh, that code is also in that repo. So how does guard duty work? Um, it really, it, it spends some of its time, ML magic, right? It spends some of its time baselining the accounts. Uh, so there's like this 30 day learning period with guard duty before it really starts delivering good value. Um, it has a whole bunch of findings you can find those findings on their documentation site and we'll talk about a few of them. It'll leverage Amazon's internal threat lists and then actually go out and they pull in Proofpoint and CrowdStrike as other IP threat lists. You can also add your own set of trusted uh, IPs or bad actor IPs. And this is important and this is one of the reasons why we like centralizing guard duty is because we can manage this once. 
We can say we know what this office is. This is a remote office for production crew in Brazil. We're going to go ahead and trust them. So we cut down on some of the noise that comes out of guard duty. So here's this first Splunk query, uh, very basic. Basically, we're saying, hey, for all the events in the guard duty index, dedupe them by ID. ID is going to be the unique identifier for the guard duty events. And then just give me a stats count by detail type. When I ran that command, just to put these slides together, about 80% of them were somebody was trying to port scan me. Uh, that's a lot. 4% are unusual IAM recon activity. Somebody who logged into an account and started asking questions that guard duty thought was anomalous. If we responded to all 4%, all of those events, that would have been a lot of time taken up by our SOC. So we'll talk about how we filter some of those things. And then about 2.5% of those are from unusual IP addresses. Now that doesn't mean it's coming from a <clears throat> uh, foreign country where there might be hostile to us. It just means it is unusual. We have not seen, or guard duty has not seen that before. The next thing we built was an inventory tool. We called it Antiope. Uh, from the movie Wonder Woman, but she was the general of the Amazons, right? Um, for us, 800 accounts, if we needed to go find where a resource was, that is a lot of places to look. 800 accounts, 14 different regions. If I needed to go find an EC2 instance, that was just not gonna happen. So we built that. It goes through and it hits all 800 of our accounts every hour, gathers up all sorts of uh, information. Part of the reason we built it was Tools that do this at an enterprise level are really expensive, and we just didn't have the budget for it. We wanted to be able to track cross-account trust relationships. So this is one of the nifty things that's gonna come with Identity uh, IM Access Analyzer, is it's gonna tell you all of the foreign accounts that all of your accounts trust. With Antiope, we've got an inventory of all of those accounts already. So when we see a new account show up in a uh, analyzer finding, we're gonna be able to say, ah, oh, we know who that vendor is, we've approved them, or hey, we don't know who this vendor is, we need to go reach out to the account team and say, hey, what is this and why, are, why do they have a trust in our account? Uh, we built a search engine. Uh, a lot of that's for finding big gaping security holes. We'll talk about those in a minute. We did open source it, and because even I got the pronunciation wrong when I first came up with the name, it is pronounced Antiope. So what does Antiope collect? Um, obviously, we do all the things that EC2 config does. So EC2 instances, security groups, but we also pull in all, all our Route 53 domains. Because when somebody asks in Slack, hey, how do I change this DNS record for CNN.com, I don't know where to tell them to go without going into 800 accounts and looking at the Route 53 page for all 800 accounts. So now we have that one single plane of place to search to say, where is CNN? We grab all the Route 53 zones, the Route 53 domains. So we can go back to legal and say, hey, here's a list of everything that we've got registered in our environment. Are you okay with it? Uh, we pull an Elasticsearch service. I'll talk about that one in a minute. Uh, support cases, trusted advisor is great. We're pulling in AMIs. So we, now we know who built the AMI, whether it was built by one of our accounts or by a different account. Um, we capture the direct connect information. So we know which VPCs have direct connect and potential lateral movement threat into our environment. The other thing that we use is a tool called CloudSploit. Um, it is an open source cloud vulnerability scanner, cloud security posture monitoring, I think is what they call it. 
Um, we execute that across all of our accounts hourly. We've integrated into Antiope, so it's just part of the auto-discovery process. When Antiope detects a new account, it starts getting CloudSploit detections built in immediately. Um, <clears throat> we've taken that, and now we present back to all of our users scorecards of all their security vulnerabilities. Uh, and you can get a paid version of CloudSploit. So one of the things that Steve mentioned was set your security contacts. Make sure your security contact is up to date. Now, if one of my accounts has a support ticket open on it, Simon's gonna get an email, Simon's gonna text me, I'm gonna say, why is Simon texting me again? But if you don't have that capability, and you don't have your security team on the root email distribution list, make sure you have your security team as the security contact for every single account. Um, my new goal, as I said, is to find account compromises faster than AWS. I've only done it once. All right, so let's talk identification. Um, what I wanted to call this title was, so I've got these three billion JSON blobs, what do I do with them? Um, and that's really kind of what this phase is. You've collected all of this guard duty data, you have all of this cloud trail data. Great, now what am I gonna do with it? So our identification strategy is cloud trail to detect the things that we know are bad, that there's no ML learning that needs to happen, this shouldn't have happened in our environment, let's go ahead and excuse me, let's go ahead and, and create a, an event on it. We use guard duty now to correlate events within CloudTrail. So um, <clears throat> whether it's a VPC flow log event or a pattern of suspicious CloudTrail events, we leverage guard duty for that. We use CloudSploit to find our misconfigured resources. That helps when we cross-reference some stuff. And then again, Antiope kind of glues the whole thing together managing our accounts, making sure that we have CloudTrail everywhere, that guard duty is enabled everywhere, and we can find a resource when we do have to move into that containment phase. So first query, a uh, very simple one. Let's look at IAM logins without MFA. In theory, these should never happen. Um, but in many cases, you've got a user that's going to log in, and they're not going to have MFA. So this search is pretty simple. We're gonna look for the console login string anywhere in the event. Then we want to make sure that that identity type that we talked about earlier is an IAM user. You're not gonna get an MFA used on an assume role. And then we just wanna make sure that MFA used is not in fact true. We'll talk about what we do with all of these events in a second. We can add where they logged into or where they logged in from uh, to that query. So in this case now we're saying, go to IP location, that's a Splunk function. It basically goes and takes the IP address and looks in the database to figure out city state location. Translates IP addresses to lat latitude and longitude. And then we'll exclude the United States because that, that reduces noise, it gives us a higher risk profile. And then we throw, and then we throw it into a neat table um, and that allows us to process that data further down in our uh, incident response handling system. Here's a fun one that will help you detect crypto mining, but it'll also make you friends with your finance team. Because if you are going ahead and doing a run instance event, 
And if the request parameters have a regex of 10 extra large or bigger, you know, maybe there should have been some approval process from finance, from a director or VP to say, yes, I'm gonna spin up this massively huge instance, that there was an architectural review, something like that. Or it could be that, hey, somebody's spinning up 10XLs in Singapore, we don't ever do anything in Singapore. <laughs> somebody's accounts got compromised and a crypto miner has found them. Another good one is open security groups. So this is what I call our wall of shame. Um, if the event name is authorized security group ingress and the request parameters piece there is zero slash zero, and if they're doing it from 22 or 3389, then hey, let's take this event, let's find who the person was who did it, and let's send them an email saying, hey, our policy says you can't do that anymore. Please go fix your security group. Alternately, we can take that same thing and put it into an automation that just goes ahead and closes it. We do various things depending on the level of the account and who's doing stuff. But either way, you send this response to the person who created it, and if you've got some nifty stuff where you can look and figure out who their manager is, copy their manager. You're not actually changing production, but you are making awareness happen. Another one that we're concerned about is when an IM user gets created. Who's created in the user, why? Um, so we're looking for the event name again, create user. Create user is a great method of persistence for an attacker. Probably wanna go ahead and filter out stuff that, that is done through CloudFormation or another AWS service. We get a lot of create users that happen through automation. And now perhaps let's go ahead and pipe that through IP location and exclude what happens from the United States. So now we're starting to see users being created from countries where we don't normally do business. Okay, yeah, let, let, let's escalate that one. Let's put a human on looking at it. So as you're building your CloudTrail event detection catalog, CIS benchmarks are the place to start. Um, CIS benchmarks are gonna tell you about things like, hey, somebody just created or deleted a VPC. Uh, they've attached an IGW, they changed a security group, uh, or modified a NACL. But there's a whole bunch of stuff within the CIS benchmarks that are high risk that um, you need to know about. So last year they announced uh, client VPN. I heard that and it was like, oh, great. So now we have bypassed the corporate VPN as a service out of Amazon. So we immediately said nobody's allowed to do that. And then we went ahead and put in this detection to say if somebody does do that, we have a conversation. Because there's legitimate reasons for creating client VPNs, um, but those legitimate reasons aren't bypassing our corporate uh, VPN with its multi-factor authentication and logging and everything else. Uh, delete detector, delete members, that's for guard duty. The last thing I want is somebody to get into an account, shut off that filter that sends those guard duty findings to my master account. So we get those and we look at those through CloudTrail. Stop monitoring members is another one of those. Obviously delete trail, stop logging, update trail, we wanna be very careful and notify and know what those are. But occasionally we do need to do an update trail. We need to add uh, event logging on an S3 bucket or on lambdas. So we don't wanna uh, deny that through a SCP. 
attach network interface. So this came out at Reinforce over the summer. Attach network interface is the, hey, I am going to span tap this EC2 instance, and if your encryption is not end-to-end, -end, if you end your encryption at the ELB or the ALB level, and you run unencrypted in your VPC, then anybody who attaches a network interface to one of your, work, uh, your workload machines is gonna be able to see what should have been encrypted traffic. So let's talk a little bit about guard duty. Um, so guard duty has a bunch of findings, as we've said. Um, in this case, we're looking for the detail type of unauthorized access IM user console login. <clears throat> the rest of this massive query is to clean up the data that comes from guard duty and make it friendly to display and friendly for processing further down the road. Um, <clears throat> as you see, we get the city, country, uh, ASN organization uh, along with the IAM entity who made the call. So what does that look like? Um, as much as I could like share real world stuff, uh, I couldn't. So um, most of this is filtered, but that black box on the left is the IAM identities. The one in the middle are the actual IP addresses themselves. But we're seeing a lot of unusual activity from Atlanta. Well, that makes a lot of sense because we're based in Atlanta. We've got folks working from home. They're doing assume roles off of their U-verse uh, or Spectrum or T-Mobile. Um, the interesting one there is that, you know, we had a VP who was working from his GoGo uh, account, and we ca caught that. Uh, the really interesting one, though, is the, that Akragana, I am user. I was like, really? Hmm. So I knew which account it was, pinged the team. Yes, they have contractors now that are doing some work for them in, in Ghana. So another really good guard duty report that you can generate is this RDP brute force report. By the way, all of these queries uh, will be uh, posted on the web, and there will be one slide at the end that has all of these links. So yeah, you don't have to take a picture on your iPhone and then transcribe all of this stuff. So this RDP brute force report one, we're looking for that finding. Um, again, we're deduping by ID because every time a guard duty finding comes in, it has the same ID. Um, we don't need to see it a dozen times, we just need the most recent one. We clean it up, we capture the country name, the city name, the organization, we build that into a clean table. And that's what this looks like. So these are examples of brute force attempts against our environment coming from places where we probably shouldn't be seeing some brute force environments. This is really powerful, because I can harp all day long about please close 3389 security groups. But this is the difference between, hey, you have a security finding, you have a security vulnerability, and hey, you're under attack. Go close your security groups now, please. So about this time last year, uh, S3 buckets were the big rage, oh, open S3 buckets were the, the big rage in the news. But then this new one came out. Somebody had an elastic search cluster open to the internet. See, we were talking about misconfigured resources before. This is a great example of that. Nobody was searching for these. There were no, no tooling available for us to go find these in our environment. So we added elastic search support to Antiope. And so in this one, again, it's index Antiope. We're looking for Elasticsearch domain resource type, and then we're looking for principal splat. That means that there is no IAM authentication required to talk to this Elasticsearch cluster. 
And then we want to make sure that, hey, look, VPC ID is splat, which means it's not in, or not splat, which means it's not in a VPC. So, okay. That's not good. The next one was uh, support cases. So we've got 800 accounts. We've got almost as many development teams. They're all using different kinds of services. Uh, we've got teams doing Media Connect. We've got teams doing machine learning. We've got teams that are probably doing stuff with IoT. I mean, there's probably not a single Amazon service out there that one of our development teams isn't looking at. So how do we in security know what's going on? How do we keep tabs on what our development community is doing? One of those ways is to kind of monitor all those security cases. The other thing that's really good about this is I get all of the abuse notifications or any other account notification activity that is generated. So we have a query down there at the bottom. Well, actually, so the first one, yes, all support cases. So we're going to focus on that resource type, resource AWS case. We need to dedupe because, again, these things are pulled in on a regular basis. So we need to dedupe, only see the most recent one. And in this case, the customer account attribute in that gives me everything that is coming in about the account. So it's not a, hey, I'm having a problem with CloudTrail, or hey, this EC2 instance didn't start. But no, hey, I want to disable billing, or hey, I'm getting a uh, account compromise activity. I think I want to make a call out here based on the question we got earlier is the user was one of the concerns as we were having a conversation. I think this is a beautiful concept Chris has built where he's actually grabbing, imagine this, 800 accounts, getting all the support cases all together at one spot, and now you have the knowledge and power of three key things. Is anyone in my development team asking any question regarding security? So you let's say they did not inform you, but they're asking AWS, he gets to know. The second thing being, if there are any outbound cases coming from AWS, he's also getting to know as soon as he can. Now imagine this is part of anti-OP framework, it's run every one hour. And lastly, any new cases that have been opened on a new service or a feature that has been come out. So what is the posture that the security team should take in terms of the usage patterns of this new service. So I, I totally like this whole idea that uh, Chris has built and or in his team. So go ahead, Chris. Got it. So that was anti-epi. Um, we'd be remiss without talking about Amazon Detective. Um, so this tool fits into our, um, our threat posture or will be fitting into our, our response process. So we've generated all of these different events through all of these different Splunk queries. What do we do with it? So what we do with it is it all feeds into a uh, security orchestration tool called the Misto. And that is what our security operations center uses to drive all of their workflows. We build playbooks into Misto that will go and query, hey, who's this user? Are they active? Uh, should they be in this account? Which division are they in? Which city are they in? Who's their manager? What's their job title is a good one. All of that kind of is then added to the finding, and then a security analyst can say, oh yeah, well this guy's always driving or flying all over the world, so the fact that he's logging in from GoGo into one of his accounts, probably not a big deal. Um, 
where detective is going to come in is where we have one of those and it's like, this is weird, what do we do next? A lot of those, this is weird, what do we do next cases became escalations to me. So of, all right, well, you know, okay, well, let's go look at it. Yeah, I happen to know this thing, or this is really concerning because they shouldn't be using this tooling. Now with Amazon Detective, they can go in and they can look at the guard duty findings. They can look at other activity from that IP address. They'll get all of that da data, that threat hunting tooling, correlated into one place. So it's not like, oh, well, this happened in one account and something else happened in another account. The only place that you can kind of cross-reference that is in Splunk. No, now we have a detective to do that too. All right, so we're going to close a little bit with uh, containment, eradication, and recovery, the last you know, three steps, really, of the incident handling process. CloudTrail and having CloudTrail in Splunk is absolutely vital um, for when you're trying to figure out what happened during an account compromise. Because with service control policies and multi-cloud trail where you've pulled that data into or you pulled that out of the compromised account, you have a complete picture of everything that has happened in your environment. Um, you can know which API keys need to be disabled, which users may or may not have been created, what kind of persistence they may have built in at that cloud layer. You can look for other cross-account roles and other exposures in your account. CloudTrail is one of the best security tools that has been created for cloud, or really for, for anything. Um, I have one place to go to get all of the activity that occurred in my data center. I never had that on-prem. I don't really have that in the other clouds. I have that with CloudTrail. When you're looking more now at the, the network, the host air, uh, plane, the layer, you know, you want to isolate instances. You want to have pre-built uh, incident response security groups, pre-built incident response uh, cross-account roles. You want to leverage tools for incident forensics. So SSM Acquire was announced last year by uh, Andrew Krug of Mozilla. It's a great tool that you can use with your automations. It will go and it will take an EC2 instance, it will do a memory capture, it will do a disk capture, it'll gather up all the state of the machine and then throw it into a container and run recall on it and give you a report, all automated. Uh, threat response, margarita shotgun, those are other tools that you can use to do that. And if you're really interested in doing deeper forensics within EC2, uh, forensicate.cloud from one of my fellow SANS instructors is a good resource. On the idea of SSM Acquire and Margarita Shotgun and uh, Threat Response, just this morning I saw on Twitter that there is now a version of that for Fargate. So if you have a question about what's going on in a Fargate container, there is automated tooling now that will help you capture data about it. And other than saying bookmarking that for, for next week, I don't know anything else about it, but I think, believe it's called Fargate-IR and it's also from Andrew Krug of Mozilla. So with that. All right, as we come towards the end, I would like to take a few minutes to showcase the value of enterprise support in incident handling process. So I will try to connect to the preparation, identification, containment, eradication, and recovery phases. 
So with the preparation phase, you have enterprise support who helps in well-architected reviews, architectural support, operational excellence, and training on security. For identification, you have trusted advisor checks and support APIs to pull in all the necessary information, as you might have seen earlier, Chris was speaking about anti-OP. And lastly, for containment, eradication, and recovery, I, as a TAM, have a knowledge of the customer, their landscape, and be able to connect with security SMEs. I have the access and the ability to pull them as needed. And this provides the incident handling response and your step one for threat hunting. Lastly, I want to take a few minutes about what enterprise, as a TAM, what uh, we can provide, as a TAM can provide to a security team. So first of all, being proactive. So I become the conduit of, to the security team to inform or escalate any kind of findings by virtue of me working with various application teams. Secondly, design. So security always is a top priority. I try to be doing that and providing training on security best practices. Incident management. I'm the extended arm of the security team of the WannaMedia. Lastly, operational excellence, striving to have least possible disruptions. Redesign, always trying to pro provide the new set of features and services that are valuable to the customer based on my understanding on the background that we have from the customer. With that, I want to share a couple of the links that are uh, available. Many might think that a few of the customers out of here might be thinking they may not be on enterprise support. So for people who are not on enterprise support or who are not yet ready for enterprise support, definitely we have a lot of resources and services which do the same thing. And uh, yes, you can get certified on security. These are our contact information if you'd like to reach out to us. Go back right. to the links. OK. <laughs> the links? All right. So that second one at the bottom has actually all of the Splunk queries that you can cut and paste. Um, so you don't have to retype them from PowerPoint or any of your pictures you've taken on your phones. Please do remember to provide the feedback for our conversation that we had today. It'll be valuable for us to plan our next session on the future sessions. <laughs>